Thanks for tuning in to Pod22. I'm your host, Philip Baird. For our special 10th episode, I am so genuinely happy to bring to you Ollie Russell Cowan from Rad Season. Rad Season is a discovery platform with information on action sports, adventure events, and music festivals from around the world. If you're into surfing, skateboarding, Envision Festival, snorkeling competitions, or the Cooper's Hill cheese rolling and wake, Rad Season is where you want to be. It's where you'll discover the next crazy wacky thing. At the beginning of the pandemic, like many of us in the event and travel industry, Ollie had to ask himself, what do I do now? And with that in mind, he launched the Rad Season podcast. And this week, he just released his 50th episode. Ollie is a friend, he's a mentor, he's a super connector, and he's just the coolest, chillest, all-around dude you'll ever meet. He's worked every job you can think of until finally finding his groove and working on his passion. Touring festivals, discovering cultural experiences, going on adventures, and of course surfing, this all led to the creation of Rad Season, which he works on full-time with his partner in crime, Cat. You'll find links to Rad Season in the podcast in the description, and I really invite you to check it out. He has no shortage of amazing and entertaining guests, and as you'll see, he attracts abundance and happiness from every single one of them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello. On this beautiful Tuesday, I am joined by none other than Ollie Russell-Cohen from Rad Season. Ollie, how's it going, man? Phil, how are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah, really well, thanks. How are you? Very good. Thank you, man. All right, man. I'm, I was really looking forward to this episode. I'm not going to lie. Thank you so much for coming on this, this special edition. Little 10-year anniversary or 10, 10th episode anniversary, not 10 years, dear God. But uh, And I got, I got a lot of questions about Rad Season, but let's just jump sort of in more of the uh, Ollie story, if you don't mind. I know you live in, in Lisbon right now, but you're, you're actually English. So where did you grow up uh, in your childhood? I am. So um, I've got a bit of a bit of a funky accent if you may I, I've, I've lived in australia i'm originally from originally from the uk so i grew up just outside london yeah and then moved moved to wimbledon um south london when i was uh, about 14. yeah and then like lived there so it was was in was in school in that area and then kind of stayed there until i was uh, about 18 but always had the itch to to go away and you know to jump on a plane and like whenever I whenever I got the chance and and, and go traveling mm-hmm. and sort of yeah kind of kind of go exploring yeah and then I sort of w- went to university went to University of Wales when I was 18 so I went directly from school mm-hmm. and thought where is the best place to have a good time and somehow get a degree mm-hmm. and get a qualification and found Swansea that was basically the closest university in the whole of the UK to the coast. So yeah. I remember like when I was applying for it, they were going, um, well, like, you know, wh- why, why have you chosen Swansea University? And I like, this was like when we were doing our interviews and stuff um, with, and, and I spoke to the Dean, I was like, look, Dean, like, I'm going to be honest with you. The Spanish course and the business course is great, but I'm really into surfing. And this is the closest <laughs> university in the whole of the country to the beach. So with a location and a lifestyle and the course, I think I'm going to enjoy it here. And he goes, oh, well, um, it's good that you're honest. I'm, I'm a keen surfer too. So I think you're going to have a good time here. Wow. So that was kind of like, yeah, that, that was one of the reasons why like, I, I chose Wales and yeah, what, why I picked Swansea. I'm going to let you in on a secret. We've spoken a gazillion times before, but I've never told you this. When I applied for my undergraduate, I ended up going to McGill University in Montreal, but I actually applied to Aberystwyth in Wales. It was the only outside of North America university I applied to. And I applied to because I was looking at UK universities online 
and their landing page. And then when I got the prospectus was a surfer right on it. And I was like, man, <laughs> this is where I want to go. And I got in and then I looked at the fees and I'm like, I'm probably not going to go. <laughs> so, yeah. So- I mean, the, the international fees, right? I mean, that was the, uh, that's yeah. the, that's a tricky thing. <laughs> yeah. Luckily I went there like just, just before like the fees went up and then, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was in, like, interesting that you, you chose, that you wanted to go there as well. I wanted to go to Wales. I mean, yeah. The place I mean, is they, amazing. They had a surfer on their cover page. I had no other university I applied <laughs> to had that. So that's what uh, intrigued me. But the, the program also looked good and, and the location. And yeah. even my mom got a little bit excited. But then, then yeah, then when we saw the, the fees, that was, uh, <laughs> that was the end of that story. <laughs> when you were at, uh, I think it was Swansea, right? The, the university? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you majored in business, correct? Yeah, so I was doing um, so I was doing business studies, and I had a year um, I, like business studies in Spanish. So okay. I've got family in Spain. My dad lives over in Spain, so like fortunately, as a kid, like I, I got to go over there quite a bit, and over um, over over in the holidays, and and um, yeah, we we would sort of spend spend like um, a bit of the summer over in Spain. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so I thought like okay, well, I'll try and combine business with that and then there was this thing called Erasmus so that was like you know we get to study a year abroad and I think my choices were like Madrid Granada and Granada's where my dad lives and it's also where they got this place called the Sierra Nevada which is a which is a mountain ski resort so like that like that looking back at it I was like I was like okay well I can pick my own courses and Mm -hmm. and the days they're on so I was like looking at the schedule and I was like um there's all these, all these, um, all these courses on Monday, and there's all these courses on Tuesday. So I basically chose those ones, which gave me then five days to then bum up, bum up around and just and just go to the mountains. And um, yeah, so I was a bit of a snowboard bum for a year over in Spain, and it was awesome. It was kind of like I was like thrown in the deep end. I was like living in horses residence there, and I was like one of the only uh, foreigners with like 400, 500 Spanish people. So you kind of in the deep end but it was it was brilliant i think like doing that i was like 20 at the time yeah that definitely opened opened things up to sort of like thinking okay well if you can pick up like if if you can get another language and if you can kind of use that you can it just opens up things to go to other places right so i was sort of looking at okay where can i go after spain i was like oh well you know picked up a bit of spanish Let's go to Mexico and let's try and go surfing over there. And I like spent three months there and yeah, I was bodyboarding at the time and I kind of, I uh, was traveling around there and then I came back and I had one more year in Swansea, um, finishing off my um, business course at university there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a cool, I feel like if you, when you're emerged with other, other cultures like that, your, your learning just also improves, right? You're in this, this whole different environment and, you're forced to learn, right? I, I I don't imagine there's that many English speakers in Andalusia or. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, you're definitely forced to learn, and it was all like yeah. it was quite old school. It was sort of like 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 dissertation. So the lecturer would would speak out of this book really quickly, and then everyone's just like write write writing notes, and I'm like looking over like like the guy or the girl like 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 looking over their shoulder, the people next to me going like, give me, give me your notes. I don't like, this guy's way too quick for me. So yeah, it was a bit of a baptism of fire and then just doing all like, yeah. like business classes in, in another language. And yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I also did the same thing in one semester in university and packed a whole, like a, a full 15 credits semester into two days. My Tuesday was awful, but you know, 
that meant that Monday, Wednesday, Friday I had nothing. And yeah. I would I would also go on, on long weekends snowboarding and or skiing. So I mean, this is not novel. And uh our Prime Minister JT was a snowboard bum, so it's it's really it's accepted <laughs> and cool now. So maybe not so much at the time. So when you finished your degree, I think like right off like I know you had like sort of this this you kind of were you had an interest yeah. in this like surfing subculture, but then I think you ended up in sales. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So after so I, I had um so so when I finished like university, I like like I got back, um, I got home to London and I was a little bit I was a little bit upset and you know, kind of thinking, okay, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then my mum at the time she she saw this article in, in one of the daily newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, which was um it had this yeah picture of a surfer on it kind of like Aberystwyth um so yeah, there's there's this photo with a newspaper and it said um Australia surfing studies course and she showed it to me and she goes hey ha- have a look at this and I was like what it's like there's a course in surfing I'm gonna do that course so um she she just basically gave it to me as a joke thinking yeah. that you know like it's a fun thing to read. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm really keen. So like, I went on the internet, checked it out, and I was like, yep, it's it's definitely a thing. And they um, they they had the it was the first year when I when I saw the article, and then I applied almost straight away, and I got in. And I was like, okay, well, like a few months later, next minute, I know I'm packing my bags and I'm going to the Gold Coast to Australia. Nice. And um, yeah, I'm going to do a sports management degree in um, brackets surfing studies. If you can believe that's a thing, it, it was at the time. So, um, yeah, so um, I went over there and that was a one-year diploma and it was basically mm-hmm. like all the, all the well, this is what I like to tell myself now, it was, it was all the background about the the surfing industry. So you like learning about sports management, about yeah. sports marketing, events. We got to shape a surfboard. So it was all kind of like oh, nice. the manufacturing side of it as well. And then cool. we got to be, um, we got a, qual- a qualification as a surfing instructor. And I was like living at this place on the Gold Coast called Kira, which is sort of this like really famous wave. And I was like living like a couple of blocks away from it, study, studying it. So I was like completely at that time, like my early 20s, obsessed by surfing. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of all I wanted to do. I remember when, like, when the waves were good there, I'd almost sometimes like forget to eat. Like you'd just be out for like hours and hours and hours, come in. Yeah. grab like a sausage roll or something or, or a sandwich and then, and then back out again. Yeah. Once I finished that course, the only thing like it was really difficult to get in, like, I wanted to break into the industry and, and work in action sports. And the only thing I could find going were like surf coaching jobs. Mm. So what did I, what I ended up doing was, yeah, I, I did a little bit of coaching um, in Australia for, for a month or so. And then I found um, a surf school back in Europe in the Canary Islands in a place called Fuerteventura run by uh, a German guy called, called Jolly. And he basically had the rights to, to the Quicksilver Surf School on the island. I, I applied, um, called him up, and he's like, when can you get here? I'm like, nice. I don't know, when, when, do you, when do you need me? He goes, uh, well, now, now it'll be good. I was like, well, well, I could probably come over in a week. Let me just like, you know, go from... Go from Fry from Brisbane, and, yeah. I, and I was back to the UK, saw family, and then yeah, straight over and did a season over there, which was which was epic. Yeah, 
And that's that's also where you you met your partner and director of Miscellaneous at Rad Season. Uh, yeah. Rad. <laughs> do, uh, do, do you want to share a bit of that, that story? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, so Kat and I, so we met. I was I was the surf instructor in the school, and she was yeah. working on on IT. So it was sort of like um, uh, a bit of a break between studies. And mm-hmm. yeah, we we ended up being being roommates at, at the time. And my, like my, my my boss was like, "Oh, you, you know, you're gonna have a new roommate moving in." I was like, "Yeah, whatever." He was always joking around. I didn't believe him. And then Katarina arrived, and I was like, "Oh, so he, he wasn't joking then." And there, there she was, and she was. Um, yeah, we became good friends, and then yeah, then we we kind of when we left uh, the Canaries, like she she went back a couple of months before me. Mm-hmm. I went back to London. I had a bit of a freak out. I was like, okay, well, I'm having all this fun as a surf coach. Mm-hmm. Like I've done quite a bit of studying. I've got, I've got to get, I, I've almost had like a sort of, uh, a, like a guilt trip on myself. I was like, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to get real here. I've got to go to the city. I've got to get a job. I've got to put on a suit almost. Cause that's what I thought at the time yeah. I had to, I, like, I had to, I had to, I had to cut my hair. I had like, so, well, I remember when I was doing interviews and I still had like, I had like quite long hair, like down to yeah. here. Yeah. I'd like sand in my hair and I was like chewing gum and the, the recruitment consultant was like, yeah, yeah, really, really good surfer dude. But next time when you're doing an interview, make sure you're not chewing gum. So, so I was like, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry, man. I was like, yeah. And don't call me man. <laughs> Sound it was advice. A bit of, yeah. It was, it was a bit of a culture shock um, yeah. to go back to London. And then um, mm. I started working in sales, hardcore cold calling, Almost to like when you do the interview, they take you to a different office, which is all fancy and shiny. And then when you get the job, you literally arrive on, and it was it was delegate sales for for, for a corporate events company. Mm-hmm. You arrive on this floor, and it's literally like the movie The Boiler Room. There's like a thousand people in in this room, all picking up telephones, ringing bells. It was really, yeah, really intense. Wow. But I, I met some fun I met some fun people there um, that I'm still friends with to this yeah. day. So that was kind of like my my first proper job outside of surf instructing. That was kind of my first career job. Yeah, and then I was uh, I thought you know what like I think I did like I think I lasted six months, which is sort of like a couple of months longer than the guys that I was friends with over there. But I was like I I got to get out of this suit, and it was just it it was killing me. Like I don't know, it just it just felt it just felt a bit alien. So I thought okay, well I'll try and I'll try and get into what I was studying, which was action sports. Mm-hmm. And I was like cold emailing and cold calling all the companies I could think of to try and just get my foot in the door. What I ended up doing was um, contacting this this company called Factory Media, who were um, uh, publishers in in London, and they produced all the action sports magazines, so print magazines at the time. So that was like all the surfing magazines, all the U- main European surfing mags, snowboarding, skiing, skating, mountain biking magazines like the skate magazines and surf magazines i'd read when i was a kid and mm-hmm. you know it was almost like like sidewalk for example it was almost like the bible when i when i was growing up skating yeah, in London. i would remember you know you know posters in those magazines and then putting it on the walls so yeah we've all been uh, there, I, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> that's it and i i, I called them up and they're like um well you know we we've got an internship we can kind of give you a sales there's a sales nice. role we can test you out uh so i was mm-hmm. like yeah sure what am i going to be doing and they go, um, well, so my my manager at the time was a guy called Jim Peskett. And uh, mm-hmm. he, he goes, well, 
we've got we, we've got the rights for these DVDs, and we're gonna we're gonna sell them, or you're gonna sell them to to all the uh, to all the shops. So um, selling skate DVDs to skate shops, snowboard DVDs to uh, ski and snow shops. And then I remember it was just before Christmas time, and yeah, I'd, I'd like call up these these mountain bike shops at the time, and we had this really big mountain bike DVD, um, Dirt Five, I think it was. And I was just um, calling the shops. So I was like, yeah, hey, uh, it's Ollie from Factory Media. We've, we've got dirt in. Are you interested in taking some copies? And they're like, yeah, we'll take 50. Um, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I was like, well, and, I, and I get one pound per, per DVD. So I was like, oh, sweet. Just made 50 yeah. pounds in like two minutes. Let's ring some more. And then I got like really into it. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just slamming the phone thinking like, you know, I'm going to make so much commission off this. And it was like, it just a sort of trial role, trial job. Mm-hmm. And we got some, like, we got some pretty sick titles. Like, like that's it. That's all like the, like the, the big sort of Travis Rice and Red Bull yeah. movie when that came out and we had like the European rights for that. So I was sort of selling, um, selling these DVDs and then started, then is, yeah, as you know, like DVDs are no longer a thing at that time. It was sort no. of right in when they were like finishing. So the next season, that was it. It was almost like everything had just transferred online and it was all digital. So then I moved into selling classified um, advertising for Surface Path, one of the surfing magazines. And I was like, oh man, I, like, I can't believe I'm like, I'm calling up all these like surf camps in like Panama and Costa Rica or wherever they were and sort of tr- like basically selling them advertising. Yeah. And then got promoted to then uh, become the ad- advertising manager for the skateboard skateboarding magazines, Kingpin and Sidewalk. Yeah, at the time it was it was great. It was sort of like you like looking at it, going like I get to talk about like what I'm what I'm interested in, and there were some really cool trips. So you know we go to the US and we go and like like go to the trade shows and yeah. go to the factories and like seeing how they'd ha- have like a half pipe in all the warehouses and like or like bowls and like full-on skate parks yeah. in their offices and then there'd be all these pros coming out and be like, oh my god like you're like this is this is actually a job like yeah. it's, it's amazing so yeah that that kind of um sparked i guess my interest in sort of continuing to to, to work in in the industry yeah and i think that that period you we pretty much were like you know, the single contributor for the whole sales cycle, right? You were like finding them, contacting them, doing the sale, doing the after sale. And then sort of not only from all of that stuff, but you also were like, you know, making a lot of contacts. Do you feel like that that sort of sales training and those network opportunities really paid off later? Or did it like help you become a better entrepreneur in a way? I think so. I think it's sort of like, I think if, if like the whole cold calling thing, and sort of taking rejection almost yeah. as a daily and not and not letting it get to you. I, I think that was kind of probably the the main thing that helped. And yeah, I mean, like everything, you have you have good days and you have bad days, and it's sort of like right. I, I I think coming from yeah coming from sales and sort of saying okay, well, like this is what I want to do. This is not what I want to do. Hmm. I kind of like the new business um aspect of it as well yeah I'm, i like played a lot of sports as a kid i'm quite competitive um i'm probably probably overly competitive and <laughs> take things a little bit you know a little bit to heart sometimes so i thought like you know like it's a new business and that kind of sales cycle 
uh, really excited me and still kind of, you know, even still gives me a bit of a kick. Yeah. And I, I think it's sort of, yeah, it's almost sort of like life lessons. There's definitely things where I thought, okay, like I, I would have loved to have, have gone into different areas as well. And yeah, I mean, now sort of looking at like everything, you, you wear so many hats and, you know, you, like for the business side of things, you have to kind of have a grasp of sales as obviously as well as like everything like finance and marketing and operations. and Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, you dread the, the rejection over the phone, but it's harder for that person to reject you over the phone as well. Right. Cause it's so easy for them to just ignore your email. But yeah, you, you definitely know, you definitely know where you stand. You, you like, definitely on, know where you stand. Phone, yes, exactly. If they tart or if they're like, oh. <laughs> or like, not again, not another call now. Yeah. So um, yeah, you, you know, you know, when you speak to them and yeah. I guess, um, yeah, mm -hmm. even more so now, I guess with the, the zoom and, or like, you know, obviously before, before pandemic, it was, it was face to face meetings, but you, you can kind of, yeah, you, you know, you know where you are. Yeah. And yeah. that's. That's a skill you learn through time, and that that's great that you you did that. Now moving forward, I think you and and Cat, uh, I think this is maybe 2013. I think is when you guys decide to to move uh, to Australia. Uh, you're going back. Yeah. What was the plan at the time? What would mean? We um, it was just before we were turning 30, and funnily okay. enough, we were in where we live now. We were in Lisbon, and we we're on holiday. And we were like, um, so I was working for, um, in, in sales for a, um, it market research company and Kat was working for an it software, uh, company. And, you know, we had a, had a couple of wines and we were like, you know, over a nice dinner and we're like, you know, should we, uh, should we move somewhere? She's like, what? <laughs> like, you know, like get, we'll get another flat in London. And like, no, like, should, should we, should we, uh, should we look at like, you know, like trying, trying to live in another country. And I thought, you know, she's going to say like, no, no, like, forget about that idea. She's like, yeah, sure. Like, so straight away she, she, she was into it and she's like, I was like, okay, well, what about Australia? And she's like, yeah, but did, didn't you already live there? And you know, you weren't, you weren't too keen on it anyway, or it was the Gold Coast. I was like, no, no, we'll, we'll go to a different part. Like when, and we, we, at that time we both had like, we'd been working for a while. So yeah. we were like, okay, the plan was we were going to do all the paperwork in London and apply to become permanent residents um, for Australia. It took, it was a, a long time, a lot of paperwork, it took, all, I think, about 18 months to get everything through. And yeah. then we, yeah, we finally got, we finally got it granted and we were thinking, okay, we're just going to go there. It's the same language. You know, it's not like we're going somewhere completely like super you know in the middle of nowhere we're going to, be, we're going to move to a city and that was yeah. it and we just arrived uh, arrived in sydney moved to the northern beaches in manly it was kind of like i guess where all the the palms like the english or the aussies call them so where, where they all go it was either manly or it was going to be bondi i guess uh, is, the, is the other option and which i was told pretty much every day i was there but yeah so we <laughs> We, we moved, we moved over there and, um, <laughs> again, it was sort of like a lot of these things in like, in my life have been, okay, I'm going to move somewhere. And the main reason has been, um, the lifestyle or to surf. Mm -hmm. So I was living in London or we were living in London and I was commuting to the coast with, uh, some really good mates and we'd go like 
when it was good, we'd be going like every second week or every third week in the winter. And this is like, when, this is before we had kids. So yeah, so, so we, we, we were skipping off and we were like, and I was like, like commuting four or five hours to go for a surf is crazy. So I was like, all right, like it is, it was fun over there, but I was like, okay, we're going to try and live and see if we can make it work in Australia. Yeah. We ended up staying there for seven years. Theo, our son was born over there. And yeah, we met, met loads of cool people, had a good time. And that was kind of around the time that I wanted to start, what well, was the time that I wanted to start my own thing uh, about five mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah, the sort of rest is history, I guess. <laughs> That's cool, man. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, insult England, but was the food better in, in Australia? Um, yeah, I mean, like, hey, Phil, the, the food's all right in England. <laughs> No, I don't know. the food in Australia was was really good. Yeah, it was all like all the like 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 proper like fresh produce over yeah. there. Um, we live right yeah. next to this. Yeah, yeah. They, was, I was about to say they. Yeah, I was about to say they there. have really. They all got the fresh produce over there, right? They, it's really, yeah. and it. I even it's boomed in the recent years. Like I feel like it was like the time you moved there is when like you know these uh, farm to table things became popular and like more of these, yeah. Uh, yeah, like the variety of stuff was just like increasing. And everything I've heard about Australia has that like food aspect that, you know, it's kind of like a hidden secret in a way. They're, they're really foodie. And it was sort of like, I mean, it's so far from everywhere that it's not like England where, you know, it's just everything's just getting sent from, you know, from from South Spain. America or, or Spain or like other parts yeah. of Europe. Like there, it's just like you're far. So all the food is, is pretty much coming from Australia. Or they're getting some from New Zealand, and yeah, so that was it. So we're so we're living there, and then we got married uh, over there, um, over in Sydney, and we yeah. went on our honeymoon. And the plan was basically to go from we went to New York. So Cat's birthday is on the fourth of July, and nice. yeah, we heard there's there's a bit of a big party over in the US around that around that date. So we're like, okay. Yeah. We've got to go. We've got to go and celebrate it in the U.S. at least once. So that was like the main main reason uh, for going, like for um, uh, for being being in New York at the time. And 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 her brother also lives in New York State, so we kind of caught up with him and and partied. And then we had four months to go from New York to Panama City, and then from Panama all the way up to L.A. And yeah, they kind of, we had a bit of a mess up on the flight and our flight was delayed and we got stuck in Fort Lauderdale and I was like, oh no, Fort Lauderdale. I got there and I was just like, this place isn't so bad. Like you're getting these like massive, like huge cocktail drinks and like nachos the size of your head. And yeah, and it, it, of, it, was, it was, it was, it was a fun time. Yeah. Half of Canada lives there too. Um, <laughs> that's oh, the really? other thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of snowboards that go down there, especially for, oh, okay, for I didn't know. our part. Um, well, this brings us actually, I'm really happy we, we touched on the, uh, talk of food and, and we're kind of getting into now the, the rad season discussion. Um, I think for those who don't know about rad season, I think the best way is even to, I pulled a clip from, from your YouTube page and that clip is hilarious that your look <laughs> on your face when that guy says, why did he, has you, he just looks so troubled. He was just this big Norwegian guy and he grabs me in a headlock and he's like, Hey, and he's like taking a selfie. I was like, get in my selfie. I have my GoPro. And I was like, get on my GoPro. It was, it was mad. That place is the most fun you can have with your clothes on. It's, it's so, it's so good. 
like that's a, is that is that the way you describe it on rad season uh like the first two lines the best place you could have uh, yeah fun with your i mean on? There, there are so many of these like these events but um la tomatina is just outside valencia yeah. and now it's like turned into this like for me almost this family thing so i've been there i think that's like my third third time um okay. but it's my mum has a place on on the east coast about an hour south of there on on the east coast of spain um that that time that was um almost one of the last festivals that we did in um in 2019 um yeah. my sister came out with her kids she was actually in there with me so she went to the event cat was there theo was there for a second time nice. i went there with him on on the first time and i had a it was like something from um the hangover you know with the baby yeah so i had him <laughs> strapped to, i had him I had theo strapped to my chest nice and i was walking in to where they have like the tomato fight yeah all these people are like you can't go in there with it. He's still a baby. I was like, dude, like, I'm not crazy. I'm going to take him off before I like, you know, before people start throwing tomatoes at him. Like, uh, so yeah, so he's like, uh, he's kind of almost been born into this weirdness. But um, yeah, yeah, so we kind of now with what's going on, unfortunately, it couldn't happen um, last year. Hopefully it can happen this August, but it's at the same time, um, the same day, uh, at the end of August every year okay. and it's been going for like hundreds of years. So it's something that I will a hundred percent be going back to as and when nice. it happens either this year or, or next year. Brad season definitely has this type of like wacky event as part of its repertoire, but I don't think it was that Tomatina that kind of gave you the idea. I think that idea came, uh, actually one you were traveling with cat, uh, we're going back to this, the, this journey that you were telling us right before that yep. clip where you went to first Central America and then you kind of made your way up to California. Can you tell us a bit about that, that experience? What, what, yeah, what was like sure. sort of the, what was going on there um, and then where'd the idea for Rad Season come from? Yeah. So, um, I guess luckily now with how like the web is and like webcams and forecasting, I was like, Kat and I were traveling. I had my surfboard with me and we could kind of look at when forecasts and the swells and when the waves would be coming but we wanted to mix it up between being inland events and being on the beach. And mm -hmm. so we were kind of bouncing back and forth between the coast and inland. And we, yeah, went from, from Florida then to Panama and we took local buses and a couple of internal flights and then spent like three months going all the way up uh, to Mexico city. And it was back to food again. It was like, you know, like amazing, almost mm -hmm. like checking out all these places in, in like in Mexico city and stuff. And from the events thing as a, as a kid, I'd kind of, I'd always grown up. I'd be like, I was really into uh, to punk and, and rock and like punk rock music and going to concerts in London and going to festivals. And that hasn't really gone away. So I was like looking like when we were traveling, it's like, okay, well, like, you know, can I go and see a gig like in Costa Rica or is there a festival on, is there something on in Mexico city we can go and see. And when you go online, it, like even, and then you're looking at sporting events, there's all these websites and blogs, yeah. which are, like really niche. So they're maybe just for music uh, mm -hmm. or they're just for surfing events yeah. or mountain biking or snowboarding and so on and so on. So like you get like a one-liner in the Lonely Planet. We're actually carrying a Lonely Planet around at the time. It says yeah. how long ago it was. So yeah, we're sort of like, we're, we're carrying this book around with us. And we were sort of looking like, oh, I was like, okay, there's Day of the Dead in Mexico City, but yeah. it's in November and you get one-liner. It's just, oh my God, like, I've got to go to that. And 
then it's sort of like word of mouth or if you meet people in the hostels or wherever you're staying or, you know, I was like, there's, there's all, there are all these things happening. Yeah. And they have been happening, especially all these cultural events and carnival and things like that for a long time. And there was like no kind of one place where we could find them all. Mm-hmm. Like when we, when we ended up in LA, for example, this was like two days before the end of the honeymoon for like four months of traveling um, we were staying with a friend in in San Diego and I was like, oh, we should just have a look what's on. And I was like, ACDC are playing. I was like, oh, that, that's got to be a cover band, you know. And I was like, um, yeah. I looked at it. It was like ACDC Dodgers Stadium. I'm like, oh, right. That's pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> I was like, that's not a small event. So, uh, yeah. And the so real. Basically, the, the, yeah, the real, the real, the real guys. And they were kind <laughs> yeah. of like. You know, getting on a bit, but still kind of like like, like lying on the floor <laughs> with a guitar and like doing spins and stuff. It, it was amazing. Yeah. It was um, a real show. Yeah. 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 Um, so we thought like, okay, like that, finishing off on that, I then went back to Australia. And I was like, okay, we're going to build. Like, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. And I thought, okay, how can I combine all of my passions of events, of action sports, adventure, weird stuff, quirky events with like what I've learned in sales and kind of like the, the previous job roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got to Sydney, I started, I started it like basically like rad season was kind of the concept of rad season was born. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that it's always the season somewhere. It was kind of like our slogan. So there's always like, there's always somewhere in the world of like every day there is somewhere just going yeah. nuts and there's a mm-hmm. massive party. And I wanted to just put that all together. And I thought, okay, well, we'll start, start in Australia I was looking at all these surfing events that they had in Australia. I was like, okay, normally then they've got like concerts and there's things going on that are attached to that sporting event. And then there was like, oh, well, you know, what about this stuff that's going on in Whistler with this like snowboard music festival and in, over in Canada or, you know, the things that are happening in, in London or in Europe and Spain every single week in a different part of the country, there's some crazy cultural festival. So I was looking at all mm-hmm. these things and now looking back, I kind of got carried away uh, well, I, I definitely got carried away. I was like, <laughs> let's just put all these together and find them all. And they're like, you know, like, just I was just thinking like, like basically what I like, think about it, I was like, oh, they're all pretty good. They've got to go on the website. In, was there in a tab? I think, yeah. You, no, go ahead. In, in hindsight, I should have, I should have kind of just focused on one category, on one niche and then grew it out from that. But I don't know. I, it's too I, late now. It's too late now. And I personally, I'm thankful that you did um, because, you know, at the time that you were doing this, you know, we work with some of these platforms. This was like the early days of what they called event discovery platforms. And Mm -hmm. they're not, they weren't as developed as they are today. And they were certainly even more niche back then. So it was just like only, you know, concerts or only, you know, running races or only this. It wasn't like all these wacky things from, you know, Envision Festival to, a like deep seep water snorkeling competition like nobody would ever put those two together in one but you came up with that idea which which is cool you know and and kind of created an idea that like all these people can actually have do have something in common they all enjoy this wacky out of the box thing and and it's all these different communities that actually do share something in common did you have like an excel spreadsheet where it was like on one side it says rad and then not rad or was it always rad I think I, de- I definitely had a sheet, and I like what I try and do is if I could find footage, if I if I hadn't if I hadn't seen it, if I could find yeah. footage of it, 
And if it like made me feel I want to go there or yeah. like I have to go there, like that was I, need it. To, I need to check it out. That's it. And then for me, that uh-huh. that was rad. I mean, some of them are small. Yeah. Some of them, you know, may have like a couple of hundred people. Tomatina in that video, there's 30,000 people that go to that event every year. Right. So if 30,000 people or more are interested in these things, like I knew that there there is a thing in these crazy events right or these you know wacky un- unusual uh, festivals yeah. so yeah it was just a matter of then like growing growing out the site and then when we started from blog then we turned it into a platform mm-hmm. as a sort of like as you, as you mentioned a surf discovery site i was f- trying to find something where w- to go to all these events it's a hassle to then dig through more websites to then find accommodation mm-hmm. and insurance and all these other things. So, and then luckily I stumbled across you guys. Yeah. And this, and I think we were like almost start. we were starting off at the same time, like, you know, yeah. just over five years ago, I was like, this is, this is ideal. I mean, it's like literally telling me where the venue, where the event venue is the festival and then the walking distance to the Airbnb or the hotel, you can search by price. So I was like, this is, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we use and we did like 25 festivals in 2019. We were using it the whole wow. way on every, every event. We were like, you know, booking our, where we were going to stay, you know, like how, how crazy we want to get, how close do you want to be to the festival yeah. or, you know, are you going to kind of like live it up a little and kind of like rent a, like a nice Airbnb and go further yeah. back. And that was like. Yeah, I think sort of still now when we were like looking, like we were going to do like not 25 festivals last year, but we had planned to do like one main um, event every month Mm -hmm. and mostly in Spain. So we could just drive to them like a few in Portugal and then just drive across the border into Spain and yeah, check out the the things going on over there. Um, I mean, the advantage of talking about these really small niche events is that you're kind of like the only one talking about it, right? And that that brings actually, when some people search them, then they end up on Rad Season and they're like, oh, there's all these other events that I didn't know about. And then suddenly they now return back to Rad Season for that. Do you feel like uh, having some of these small events really helped some of the, the growth of your platform? Yeah, like, I mean, I think like early on, we started showcasing an event called Cheese Rolling in Gloucestershire. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> is is mental (laughs) i haven't haven't done it but we went there on that on that tour and um yeah it's it's pretty crazy it's like the steepest hill you can imagine and they roll like a big gloucestershire cheese down it and then people chase it and it's the no one catches the cheese because the cheese goes so quickly but it's basically the first one to the bottom of the hill like if i mean they and they break stuff you know so like the first one to to, to the bottom of the hill uh, wins. That's it. Yeah. And they do a couple of these races during the day. And yeah, so we, we had this on our site and I started getting, we started getting a bit of traffic and I was like, oh man, like we were like ranking sort of second, first or second on Google for the term cheese rolling. Wow. And right early on, like most of our traffic was coming from this one like page. And I was like thinking, okay, well, like there's definitely something in this. And then we started then we did like other quirky events like um, World Wife Carrying Championships in Finland. <laughs> and we started getting a bunch of traffic from that as well. And I was like, okay, I could be the quirky event guy. Like, so Rad Season kind of had this thing where I sort of saw it as like, you know, we're going to be showcasing X Games and yeah, all these kind of action sports events or like the World Surf Tour and um, things that 
within the action sports community everyone everyone knows about knew about yeah and then we're competing with the likes of like ESPN for traffic or for all yeah. the, like these major publications. I was like, okay, well, if we can do content on the Rad Season magazine about these like unusual events, then yeah. let's see if we can bro- if we can grow the website and grow the platform into a thing. Right. And I basically spent the first couple of years before we did before we moved back to Europe. Yeah. Just behind the computer, behind the laptop, not going to anything, occasionally like calling event organizers and trying to see if we can partner with them in some way and just making sure that we were like manually writing all the content for every page, uh, uploading it, finding, I think we had like over a hundred contributors at one point, uh, like freelancers writing all these articles for us, writing content for, for all the event pages. Right. And I don't know, I was just getting massive FOMO. And I thought, like, what what am I doing this for? It was like almost reminding me of the days when I was like cold calling people to advertise in the in the surfing yeah. mags and skate mags and they're having all the fun. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they've grew they've grown their businesses and, and they deserve to. But I was like, man, like it felt like that. It felt like I'm kind of like not not I I love it. I was getting up super early five and uh, five in the morning discovering all these new events and these, these things to do watching these crazy youtube videos of people throwing you know different fruits at each other and having a good time and um i thought like you know i want to kind of i, I want to experience it and we were mm-hmm. looking at like where is the hub and where do most of these crazy things happen and europe was yeah it was almost a no-brainer so there's so many different cultures and different things so close together that, you know, with a quick, like either a quick fly or drive or bus ride, you could get, you could get to another country and you can do a couple of countries even in one day and, and get them. So, um, yeah, we kind of went down this thing of like doing all these events and then, then we scaled it back into like, okay, how are we going to build out the platform? How are we going to get the most out of it? Mm-hmm. And what do we want to be known for as a brand? And for me, it was always like it had to tick the boxes if it's got to like, it's got to be fun. It doesn't necessarily have to be weird or like sporty. Like we cover like about 15 different, 15 uh, different categories. Yeah. But they're all, yeah, when you see them, they're all kind of, they're all fun events. So you either like yeah. fun to take part in or, yeah. or to be a spectator and watch. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really happy that you told me that uh, the cutoff was, would I go to that? And that's pretty much it. So. That's it. And it's sort of, and, and we spoke to, we, we spoken about Envision, right? And like, yeah, you know, when yeah. you went there in Costa Rica and it's sort of like, yeah, it's a music festival, but it's also this other stuff. And, yeah. you know, you can go and hang out in the jungle. You can go surfing on the beach. You can do yeah. these different things. And for me, it was just like, okay, like if I'm going to go and travel somewhere, if I'm going to go to Tomatina in Spain, mm-hmm. what else can I do yeah. when I'm there? Because this event, like that only goes on for an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, you know, you want to kind of make a trip out of it. You want to make a holiday out of it. So, you know, we did some mad ones. We went to like Serbia. We went to this like trumpet festival in the middle of nowhere. And then wow. we like, like thought, okay, like if we could do that and then maybe we could like go and see what else is available. So, like, and then we found out this cool like kayaking trip we could do. And then, you know, there's like camping and all, all sorts of stuff to, around these events. So the idea for Rad Season was then like almost then, I guess, solidified with that. So you, you go to an event and festival, but then you want to find out different things to do and meet people mm-hmm. that are interested in similar things as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of how it 
sort of evolved like yeah. that. And I like how you, you know, uh, you just spoke about it, that they, they all of them together kind of helped build the brand. The, you know, as we all know, the pandemic hit early last year and, um, you know, I imagine your traffic got hit just like, just like ours, but you actually launched the podcast, the red season podcast, and it seems like you were able to, you know, actually complement the events that you had with athletes from the action sports community. Um, some people that, you know, participated in some of these events, other mm -hmm. contributors, and, and it actually in my opinion, improved like sort of the brand. My question for you is, was starting the podcast something you always had wanted to do uh, before that, that kind of launched it? I looked at it and, and thought like a while back thinking that, you know, there are so many stories and so many characters yeah. involved in these events or in these like sports or things. And like, there is a lot of podcasts around. And then it was almost like, I don't know, launching, it was almost like launching another podcast in the pandemic. Yeah, I was just like, man, are we going to do this? And then I thought, no. Like, I, I, so basically I reached out to a few people, I emailed them and I'm like, hey, do you want to, like, it would be cool to talk about bog snorkeling and she's right and yeah. all these other events. So like, I contacted a few people I, like, I, I knew to begin with and a few, a few contributors. And I was like, man, they've got some amazing stories to tell, mm -hmm. which should be told. And if again, it was sort, it was is a selfish, it was a selfish thing. Like I built, I built, uh, I built Rad Season for myself and and for friends. And it was sort of like, okay, well, I kind of wanted it as a as a directory of things that I would like to go to. Mm -hmm. And the podcast is like the people that I would love to speak to that I would probably never get the chance if I just called them out of the blue and go, yeah, hey, it's Ollie. From Rad Seas, they'd be like, uh, was that me? Like, put the phone down on me. It was just, <laughs> yeah, like, how how would I have, like, like, be lucky enough to have the opportunity to actually, like, yeah. have half an hour with someone that I admire and that has done these incredible things, whether it's, like, you know, won gold in, in X Games or is world bog snorkeling champion or you know like or done found. all these like um, yeah. like a mate or like founders and, and and different you know ceos from all over the world it's like it's i never like i've always thought it was an idea that i wanted to do it yeah um and then i sort of like looked look at statistics and super happy like now like we've obviously with you guys like so over like 10 episodes like the average i think is six or seven and then it just goes, it's almost, it just gets too hard work and then finding guests and all that sort of stuff becomes tough. But I really liked it. I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think like with, with live as well. Yeah. Like that's another challenge. So a lot of people do do podcasts, but actually running a live show right. has its challenges and can be a bit daunting, especially at the beginning. But now it's sort of like, no matter what happens after the pandemic, I really, really enjoy it. And mm -hmm. I want to continue doing it every week. So yeah. now I'm like, it's almost become like a habit that I do it every, I do a live show every Wednesday and then the podcast comes out every Monday. Yeah. And um, yeah, the more people I speak to, the more ideas I get. I was like, oh man, like I just found this guy yesterday who went viral and he, <laughs> he's a German guy and he basically attaches, um, he went down a toboggan run on a okay. longboard with like like ice skate blades on a on a skateboard oh longboard down a toboggan run and i was like i, I need to speak to this guy so it's just like <laughs> so, wow. so all these characters doing like a crazy yeah. adventure stuff action sports things yeah 
fun events. That's kind of what almost telling the stories of what Rad Season as a platform is about and sort yeah. of giving it giving it a voice, basically. Yeah, because some of them, you know, they didn't really have an event page, so to speak, on Rad Season. I'm thinking maybe like the guy who's ziplining across volcanoes and stuff like that, you know, like yeah. it's it's not now they're kind of featured and it 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 does fit in you know when you think about it they're the it's like it's like rad wacky things they're not events yeah. they're not something that you can think but it's something you can discover and now you're able to do that through another medium i think that's i think it's phenomenal i think it's great because i've i've discovered a sh like a lot of stuff because of that and because of your podcast how do you feel you've progressed since the the first episode because now we're at like what episode 45 46 yeah so i got 45 tomorrow and i kind okay. of I think when we first started, we were talking like predominantly it was just around events and yeah. then it, the continuation of sort of cancellations and events like stopping. Yeah. I thought I like, I kind of wanted to open it up a bit. So then we kind of went into talking to adventurers specifically around like crazy adventure experiences and, and travel and then action sports athletes and then the industry and businesses behind that as well. And now it's just like, yeah, I'm almost like looking at it going, oh man, I wish I could like, like I want to do what I'd love to do more than, than one a week, but I don't know. People <laughs> would just be getting sick of me when I'm, you know, like <laughs> going live on LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube and uh, so, oh, not, not again. I, I see what you're saying. Cause what you're saying is every, like almost every week, it's like a new segment or a new rad thing that you never thought about just becomes now apparent. And you're like, oh my God, there's this guy yeah. and this guy, and then this woman I could also invite. And then it just- That's like, it. And you've got just, like, oh, I've only got 52 yeah. weeks this year. I'm like, <laughs> I need more than 50 episodes. Like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna spread this out? And like, yeah. you know, there's so many more people that I wanna speak to. So yeah, that's been, it's been really fun. Yeah, when events start again, like the plan is like, I'd love to take it on the road. Yeah. And I'd love to kind of have a live show at events and music festivals, whether yeah. it's just grabbing, random musicians when you see them walking across the festival floor or whatever like i did in the ukraine with a few people i was like oh you were just on stage right? yeah. could i like yeah. just throw my phone and then be like you know can i do a quick interview like that yeah. kind of stuff or yeah. um you know yeah. like trying to do it a little bit more professionally and and trying to set things up but i think like i i think now with like how everything and like how media and things have changed and been forced to change Mm -hmm. with events and like this hybrid model of like mixing virtual with physical yeah i think it's cool to kind of hear the behind the stories uh the behind the scenes stories as well and like doing like little things like this i think it's great yeah and, and to answer your question earlier i think right now is a really good time to do a live streaming video version and then the recorded but as soon as events go back i like i want to listen to like the version where you're just interviewing somebody at a festival right after either their performance or they just like witness something and they're like high on life. I would love yeah. to hear what they have to say at that moment to get a feel of what the event's like, even as just as a participant or even as a performer, right? Yeah. I think that that's, that's a really cool idea. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that version. That, that, that's, that would be awesome. Going into more of a, you know, broader question, uh, yeah. you've done sales, you've done marketing, you've done event organizing, you've done like the works and you ended up becoming an entrepreneur and building a platform. Do you think young Ali uh, ever thought that this was going to happen to him looking back? Um, I think he probably just thought like, you know, how can he can get maximum surf time? Um, <laughs> he definitely didn't think it would be that much work being an entrepreneur, <laughs> that's for sure. So like looking back, um, yeah, I, 
I don't know. I, I didn't really, I, I wasn't massively career focused. I, I knew, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to travel. I, I wanted to do things around what, what I loved. Um, yeah. like both, both my parents have been are like, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that they were very sort of open-minded and, and understanding and always sort of said like, you know, if you've got passion, like follow it, follow it. Mm-hmm. it sounds a bit, bit cheesy, a bit cliche, but they were very, very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of, yeah, I guess gave me the confidence to sort of think, okay, well, you know, like I wasn't forced into, into staying in the city or like doing a job that I wasn't necessarily passionate about because that's what I thought I had to mm-hmm. do. The entrepreneur thing, I think at the time when I was in Australia, it was like, okay, I knew I wanted to do something for myself that would excite me. So that was kind of like, yeah, what I thought mm-hmm. that, you know, how can I, how can I like create, carve out a lifestyle and have a business at the same time? And that's sort of, mm-hmm. sort of what happened. How can I take sales and my backgrounds in, in that and events and action sports and then kind of combine it and mash it together? Speaking of carving and surfing, I have a question for you. What's the uh, largest wave you ever surfed and did you shit your pants when, <laughs> when you wrote it? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a chicken. I don't know. I was in Fiji. I think I was about 80. No, no, no. I was, I was a bit older. I was about 20. And I think, I don't know, it was maybe like triple, triple overhead, which is in feet is probably about like 16, 17 feet wow. face. So yeah, a good yeah, couple of that's, meters. That's a big wave. And it was just, we just dropped off on a boat and I was with these other guys who were like, yes, yeah, so I was 20 and I was like, they were 18 and we were on these tiny boards. Like, I think I was on a five foot 11 surfboard, which for waves like that is just, you should be on a bigger board to paddle into the waves. And we looked at each other and we were like, you know, our eyes are like this. And we we're like, oh my God, like we can't even see the island. We can't see land. And there's just this big, big ocean rolling in. And um, we were like, you know, just screaming at each other in, in the lineup. And yeah, it was it was fun the evening when we like when we got back to the boat and we we're all in one piece. There was a couple of like reef scratches and but nothing, nothing too bad. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, we're alive. We made it. And it definitely made the beer taste better like that evening. And, you know, you have a bit of a story to tell. Yeah, you're prob- um, probably high on life that day. Yeah, and I don't know, like the big wave stuff, like it's not like I, I get to a certain height that I'm comfortable with and I'm, I'm good with that. I'm never sort of trying to kind of push it further yeah. and further. And um, yeah, you then need different equipment and you need yeah, there's boards. In the top three moments where I literally shat myself, uh, one of them was a wipeout on a wave in South Africa. And I will never forget that. I was I was scared shitless. Because yeah. it is scary, right? You have no control. I mean, I wipe out sometimes snowboarding or skiing, but I still see where I'm going. I kind of could still see the terrain and, you know, whatever. Uh, even yeah. sometimes, though, you can't move your body. But when you're being taken away by a swell, it's, you know, you don't, you, there's not much you can do. No, um, you kind of got to, yeah, you just got to go with it. But then at the time, you know, like you tell yourself before, oh, yeah, I'll just go with it. But no one ever does that. Then you start panicking and uh, unless you're sort of conditioned and you practice and, yeah. you know, you do like underwater training and all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, one of the scariest things I had in was in Taiwan and it was like tiny waves, but I got my, like my leg rope, my leash wrapped around a rock and okay. then a set came and like kept on pulling me under and I oh, couldn't, wow. I couldn't undo it. I couldn't reach my, 
my leg and I was just oh my god I'm gonna drown in Taiwan in like three foot surf how embarrassing what am I doing <laughs> yes I can see it's that. Like, it should be a cool story in Hawaii you know 50 foot or yeah. like, you know some kind of point break star thing but it, it, yeah. but it wasn't it, it's always like being out in 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 the water or out, out in the mountains snowboarding and you're going off piste like you just got to be careful I guess wherever you go and, and things can happen and they do happen and yeah that's just part of it I guess we spoke about you know when you were doing a trip across Central America and then and then the U.S. Uh, West Coast. You know you would look at swell reports. Do you feel like the the tools that are out there right now online, especially, are are more accurate or better that today than they were maybe I don't know ten years ago or fifteen years ago? Has there been a lot um, of improvement? I think like the forecasting and like the the boy readings and things like that mm -hmm. from a sort of like yeah like metrics and sort of looking at the forecasting then is probably it's probably more like a little bit more accurate now but when i was at a university i'd call a hotline and the guy would be doing a report and he'd be looking out his window and you'd, you'd, you'd pay for it it was like it was quite expensive and he'd be like yeah and the gower peninsula is three foot and pumping today i was like shit get my surfboard jump on the bus and get down there Whereas now, like, you know, you're on your computer, you can yeah. look at like most of the known surf spots all over the world have webcams. So where are we in are, real this, time. you know, you can check yeah. in real time. You can count how many people is like, oh, it's not that crowded now. I agree. There's only three guys out. There's no wind. Yeah. It's really good conditions. Let's go. And I think that's kind of, it was sort of exciting back in the day because you didn't really know how good it was, like if it was going to be good or rubbish mm -hmm. unless you re if, unless you're a real local and you know, you, you know, or you, you, someone told you that it was going to be good and they call you yeah. and they're like, yeah, get down to the beach, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. how it was for me 10 years ago in, in South Africa. I just, somebody told me, he's like, oh yeah, today on the Indian side, it, it's it's good at that spot, that spot. And I just, I just went with some other yeah. person and that was it. But do you feel like, you know how, like, for example, for events on rad season, you get like a lot of information and the content was written actually by somebody that, that worked with you. Do you feel like, like these, these swell reports have, a lot of more user input Well, they'll say, Hey, watch out for the rocky sides, you know, 70 meters to the East or whatever, or is there, is there more, you know, besides just the actual real time report, is there more information that's, that's now available that comes with it? You, you mean, is there, is there more to come? You reckon like, is there, yeah. can you get more, more, more or just even just on these, like, you know, like WinGuru or whatever on, on these platforms, like yeah. do you see like more user input into the content, kind of like, you know, how all trails has now like reviews by some of the yeah. users, right? Where they'll put in their pictures or whatever. Do you feel like surfers will, will, will are, are doing that or will they do that? There, there, or... There's a little bit with that. Like, so on yeah. like magic seaweed, for example, there's like user generated yeah. content where, which is great. Like, you know, if people are going to upload like videos or photos of the spots, exactly. same with trail forks, like of, um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of getting into, into, I'm, I'm, I'm awful, but I'm getting into mountain biking, um, like last year or so. And like, I love trail forks. It sort of opened up a whole new world that I didn't know existed. You go on these, you go on these routes and these trails, and then you see people's videos and, um, yeah. stuff like that. I think it's really useful. Yeah, and you could you could upload your GPX of yeah. of your your ride as well, which you know is probably more useful than having the GPX of of just going the same same waves over and over and over. But yeah. uh, that's cool. All right, well, moving on. Uh, when events come back, what's uh, what's 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 the future for Rad Season? Do you um, gonna add more content, more events? I think you have. I'm gonna about... go to them. That's that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> gonna go to them. Okay. <laughs> what's uh, what's at the top I of your bucket list? 
I can't wait. We've got some pretty crazy ones in Spain. Um, okay. So the ones, basically the ones that I planned to go to last year. So I'm going to go to a few of those, hopefully later this summer and next year. Nice. Um, but there's like, there's a grape throwing festival, kind of like the, t the, the tomato festival. Yeah. Um, that's in Spain where they throw grapes at each other. And there's a, there's always a massive party around all of these. There's another one which is really bizarre called the Baby Jumping Festival. And it's like, um, it's a thing where they, like when babies are christened in the north of Spain, this town called Burgos, they, they put them on the ground and the guy dresses up in a devil costume and he jumps <laughs> over them. And then he like runs through the town, like with this like weird cat and nine tail thing, like whipping locals. And I was like, it's so bizarre and so strange that I've, I got to check it out, and it was one of the ones where we got traffic on our site, and I was just like, okay, it's like if we're an author like an authority on these things, like I got to go and see them, see them for myself to see if they're actually real. Okay, um, no, so yeah, so there's a few things that yeah. I definitely want to check out in Spain. Yeah, I mean, carnival when that can come back. We went to carnival in Cologne literally the week before lockdown globally but like when when covid just started wow and that was like a million people or maybe maybe more i think it was almost two million people in fancy dress for five days wow so it's like you know when you go to like a festival it's like a fancy dress festival or a party yeah, yeah, yeah. two million people, people all dressed yeah. as like you know smurfs or <laughs> ghostbusters or <laughs> you know whatever you can imagine and yeah. then um I was like, oh man, there's like, well, we've got loads of carnivals on our site and there's so many more to check out. Mm -hmm. It's been going on for hundreds of years. It's not just Rio mm -hmm. in Brazil. There's a lot. So, and then a lot of them as well, like happen like later, there's a few carnivals in the Caribbean, which happen sort of like July time and all the, all the islands in the Caribbean have their own carnivals. And yeah, there's, um, I don't know. And then with rad season, when events can start again, we're sort of working, squirreling away in the back end building up all the content, updating all the event pages and getting ready for 2022, as well as, um, as well as this year and trying, trying to uh, produce more content around the, the funnest festivals that, that you can go to basically. You're kind of like in so many different fields, right? You're in events, sports, action sports, adventure, wacky whatever you want to call it if there's there are there other people who kind of want to do something similar like what what kind of advice could you give them you know if if you know talking about some of those times where you're like what am i doing and you were like questioning yourself but then you you persevered and i mean i talked to you today and you're you're like one of the happiest people i ever conversed to so i know you're doing something right what what kind of what kind of advice could you give these people who kind of have the same similar interests and they want to make a career out of it? So I think you kind of got to go go do do something that you that you like, mm -hmm. but also something that you feel that you know you, you kind of have you can you can learn it along the way as well. But you have sort of some kind of you have that passion, you like it, you can combine some previous experience if it excites you if you have a good gut feel yeah that that is something that i kind of like we we've, we've done a few things in the past like had events on the site and i'm like i wouldn't go to this or i don't know like or even if i were like i, I don't know it just doesn't feel right if it doesn't feel mm. right it generally like 95% of the time if it something feels wrong either in career or starting something 
you know, it, it's probably, it's probably for the best to kind of, you know, things, different things open up and it's kind mm-hmm. of then just deciding what you want to do. So go, go with your gut, I guess would be. What yeah. It's a good advice. It's really good advice. So if people kind of want to, you know, uh, get in touch with you, partner up or, or even suggested events for your platform, what's the, uh, the best way to reach you? So they can get me on, on email, which is yeah. uh, just Ollie, O-L-I at radseason.com. Radseason on any of the social platforms. And yeah, like if they're keen to to listen in or become a guest on the podcast, um, it's just, yeah, Rad Season Podcast on Spotify and Apple and all the other favorite podcast platforms. And that's it. And ha- happy to happy to talk about anything, even if people are like, I've been to this crazy event and or want to go to a crazy event. Yeah, yeah um, happy to chat to anyone. Ali, you're a breath of fresh air. I hope you continue doing what strives your passion. I think you and Kat are fantastic people and I'm really looking forward to see Theo grow up and, and become uh, another version of you guys because uh, you, you, all three of you are just fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. It's always Thanks, Phil. It's been great chatting to you, man. All right. Well, take care and uh, enjoy your week. Good luck tomorrow. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. Bye. Bye, Bye guys.